0: I think of us as like DJs of our own lives. We're like general managers. So I want to draft some of Goggins. I want to draft some of Aubrey. I want to draft some of some Duncan Trussell. You know, it's like picking and choosing like a mixer six pack, at, you know, like a, like a brewery yeah. or something like that, where it's being able yeah. to find these role models and yeah. take what serves you, take what you want to embody within yourself But don't try to become a watered down version of somebody else. It's like that Da Vinci effect that, you know, Godsey and and Aubrey talk about a lot. When you take the sum total of everything that you are great at and love, you become the very best in the world at that unique combination. Mm. Become that. Focus on becoming that and people will draw themselves into you. Life is gonna
1: give you challenges, struggles. It's gonna force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. And we are back. What's happening, everybody? Hope you guys are having a great day today. If you're new to University of Adversity, welcome to the family. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. I love you guys, I appreciate all of you. Today's guest name is Jordan Rami. He joins us from the Aubrey Marcus Fellowship, the Fit for Service mastermind I'm in. He's one of my brothers. A little bit about him. Jordan grew up playing a very good boy in a volatile family. He excelled at sports, got an engineering degree from University of Michigan and lived a monotonous muggle life until the emptiness gave way to his true passion of decrypting and healing the human psyche. He's traveled his inner and outer worlds on a mission to blend ancient Eastern wisdoms with modern Western technologies to others in identifying, understanding and transforming the traumas in our operating systems into our superpowers. So Jordan, as you're going to hear, is a very well-educated, very well-spoken dude, and I learned a lot from him in this conversation. It was great. And I feel like we just scratched the surface, so we may have to come back a few months down the road and, and dial it in again. One day I want to have a platform that allows me, in person, to have like long Joe Rogan style two and a half, three hours, because sometimes I feel like we can't even unpack enough in the hour or hour and a half that it goes. So. This was a great conversation. I'm, I highly suggest you guys listen to this right till the end. We go pretty deep about some things, some really interesting things that I know you'll get out of it. And most importantly, this will help change your life and make the changes that you want because sometimes it's that one message from the right person and the right delivery that'll help you make those changes. So if you get value from this, share this with a friend, leave us a review. Jordan Rami coming right up. And here we go. Jordan, welcome to the show, brother.
0: Thanks, man. Uh,
1: how you good doing, man? Here.
0: Good. Good. Really good. Best. I've been in probably two months. Quarantine <laughs> just pressure cooking us, man.
1: Yeah, man. It's It's been interesting. Where are you at with all this? How, how are you doing? What have you learned? What's your takeaway from uh, the quarantine life?
0: Man, I've had so many different themes, so many different chapters where I feel like one was Conspiracy theories and like I got to get to the bottom of what's going on here. The other ones (laughs) like the spiritual teachings like how is this happening for me? How are we healing the earth? So I mean I moved through so many different chapters, but ultimately what I'm recognizing is Like where I place my energy when this all started i shifted away from my part-time corporate job And I was full into coaching and podcasting and making music that shift though, like the demand for me, the demand for coaching, because people are going through some shit went up, like went through the roof. So I immediately shifted into this holding virtual space with people for an hour, hour and a half. And I come away with this, like, Oh my God, like deploying so much energy, holding all this space. And I feel like, I wasn't taking care of myself. So my Mm. system started to break down. You know, my mentally, I wasn't as sharp emotionally. I was kind of limping through and physically I wasn't taking care of myself. And that was a snowball effect, right? Like how can you show up for other people when you're not showing up for yourself, when you're not sleeping well, when you're not eating well. So things really started to snowball, went through the dark night of the soul. And I had that remembrance that I always go through, which is like, Dude, like you need to take care of yourself. Like you Mm. need to be sleeping. You need to be nourishing your mind and not giving so much because the quality of what I can give when I give so much goes down, down, down until it's not very valuable anymore. Mm.
1: Yeah, man, that's such a true thing too. I mean, you can. There's the the givers of the world. Just give, give, give. Yet they don't fill their own tank, and you see that a lot, man. And it's, it's really important to fill your tank just as much as it is to give. So like, what are, for instance, for examples, what are you, what are some things that you have noticed from doing that, that you've had to for filling your own tank and like what happens when you notice you're running out of gas Mm -hmm. Like, what are some of the signs? And then how do you kind of re, how do you recharge yourself or re-energize yourself?
0: Yeah, it's. It's this awareness when, think of it like basketball, when your shots just aren't going in. I'm just like, my words aren't coming to me on the spot. And usually like I'm, I identify as an orator, a writer. I wield language as a sword. And when the words don't come to me, I'm like, I can't, I'm not a soldier right now. Like I'm not a knight and that's my job. I can't even do that effectively. Mm. So there's an awareness piece of, I can't do what I do best very well. I'm showing up like shit. I'm limping into battle. Like, good luck. It's for show more than anything. Mm. Then there's a boundary piece where, and this has been a huge point of growth for me in the last probably eight months or so, because I identify as, are you familiar with Enneagram? No. So kind of like Myers-Briggs souped up like spiritual Myers-Briggs, identify a lot with the two, the helper, which is giving yourself in the now, in the immediacy. So I have that tendency of abandoning myself to give to others. I don't do what I need to do for me because I want to give to other people. And then it's like that same exact thing, like you're limping through, limping through. So boundaries is tough when you give a lot, when it's kind of in my nature So for me to be like, look, I understand that we had a commitment or we had a plan to meet up and I'm giving you adequate heads up to let you know that I'm not in a very clean headspace right now. I'm not going to be very present with you right now. So out of love for you and the respect I have for you and the space I want to hold with you and share with you now is not the ideal time, nor is it for me. So if we're really showing up out of love for ourselves and for the other, it's like honoring self and honoring other let's postpone and I'll show up like a powerful beast next time. Mm. But right now I'm a scared broken little boy and I need to work through this. And on the other side, you'll get the King.
1: That's super important. Self-awareness because I think most people think they're doing a service by just going and going and going. And they think that they're, because they're, they're holding on to that and they really want to help the person, they don't realize that they're actually being, they're actually giving them a disadvantage mm-hmm. because you, although you, you come from a place of wanting to help, you're actually not helping them because you're not at the be- best place that you can be. It's like, even this in podcasting too, man, it's, it's, there's days where I'm like, fuck, I just, you know, I don't, I'm not on it today, you know, but, but then there's a funny thing too. It's like, is it just that I'm not like what? Is it just that I'm telling myself that, or can I get there? Or there's you go back and forth, but it's it's it is a self awareness like, hey, I just don't got it today. I gotta like, I, got, I, I, I gotta make the call, you know. But how do you dance with that back and forth where it's just like maybe, maybe you're just not primed enough that day, or maybe, you know, because we do have that voice like, fuck, I just don't feel like it today. Yeah you know, where, where's the line between not feeling like it kind of like the ego, like, Hey, I just just don't want to do it. Or like, dude, I'm like, I'm done. I'm burnt out here because I think that's a really interesting area.
0: Yeah. The first thing that comes up for me is this idea of like radical realness. So for instance, right now it's like, we open up a zoom and we're shooting the shit and it's cool. And as soon as you hit record, it's like, (laughs) My breaths are shorter. My heart's pounding a little faster and my jaw's a little bit tighter So my way of working through this kind of stuff is by naming it so instead of trying to hide it, you know insecurities for instance where I feel like all of us have body insecurities So instead of trying to hide those things that we don't want other people to see I've gotten really good at like naming it up front. It's kind of like Eminem and eight mile where he's like, I am white. I am poor. I don't got shit going for me. I got a baby girl I can't support. Like, what do you got now? And I find that through that vulnerability, one, it's like discharging the power of these like strangleholds that things have on us, whether they're insecurities or like I didn't get a good night of sleep and I'm doing my best, but let me, let me cover it up. Let me cover it up. It's being super willfully proactively vulnerable about those things. So one, it discharges the power of them and two it really invites compassion from other people. So where people might be like, Oh God, he's showing up like shit. Instead, it's like, oh no, he's trying his best, but he's talking about how he had a rough and it completely changes the dynamic. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's it's really important to be mindful of your energy because this is something that I've realized within the last few years, even when I was working in bars and managing people, certain people have the ability to really project their shit on the people. Like- I know for myself, if I'm in a good state, I can lift people up, but I can also suck the life out of people, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's people like that. And a lot of people don't have the realization. So it's really, really interesting when you're self-aware of your energy and where it needs to be for you to be the the best service to people. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And how you can learn how to, how to like elevate that, Like Mm -hmm. your state, your state management. I mean, Tony Robbins talks about this a lot. And I talk about, you know, how important that is to like, especially when you're working with clients, right. Or, you know, podcasts or whatever. It's like, you want to show up the best you can be. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we're not there, you know, and, and to really be able to have the control of elevating your state. Right. Like, what are some of the things like, say you're like, yeah, I need to get into the zone right now like mm-hmm. i really need to fucking like be at my best like say you know whatever what are some things you do to like prime yourself to get into that like high vibration primed up state
0: honestly that like nothing's coming up in the sense of when i'm in a rut engage blueprint mm-hmm. because it's all it's all different yeah. it's all, it's all so instead like what you know what's coming up for me is how People ultimately pay me for an attunement. And this is coming back to what you're saying with energy. As a coach, I'm not so, my value isn't uploading zeros and ones. The information that I've taken from books, from this, from that. Anybody has access to books. But it's more of this energetic attunement where it's like, if I'm calm, you can attune to calm. If I'm grounded, attune to grounded. If I'm enthusiastic, Uh attune to enthusiastic. So for me, if I need to be a tuning fork, I need to attune to an upstream tuning fork. So that's kind of what, you know, if I'm in a certain place where I'm looking for, just say that I'm lacking discipline. I'll fire up Goggins. You familiar with Goggins?
1: Oh yeah, man. Dude. That guy will pull you out of the grave and call you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's he the, he the ultimate, attunement fork in so many ways. So for me, when I'm just like, "Uh, I'm tired, you know, when my little broken boy shows up, like, I'm not that worthy. I'm not this listen to some Goggins. And it's just like, damn, I can't believe that I was just thinking those thoughts. And you just move into the state of Goggins, you know, and that's his power is he is like his own band of vibration, his own band of operation. So we listen to his audio book or we just watch him. We say his name and that immediately shifts our awareness into that space of Goggins. Mm. So for me, it's a lot of, all right, where am I? Where am I trying to be? And then building that bridge. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. I love that. And depending on where you need to be is like the person that you want to listen to or program yourself to be right. Like there's not always a time and place for the Goggins. Like you got to be in a different zone for mm-hmm. like, you listen to someone like Aubrey that puts you in a different position, a different, different mindset.
0: Right. And that's you know, I don't, I flirted with this, right. When I'm first introduced to Goggins, I'm like, that's it. You know, uh, yeah. Duncan called it Goggins flu. You know, was fully, fully had that Goggins flu, and I was approaching everything in life from a state of Goggins. You know, including my relationships. No, no, no. Like, yeah. especially, you know, women in my life don't want me to show up as like stay hard. Like, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? Yeah. What you? you know that. So, and that's yeah. what's beautiful is I think of, I think of us as like DJs of our own lives. We're like general managers. So I want to draft some of Goggins, I want to draft some of Aubrey, I want to draft some of some Duncan Trussell. You know, it's like picking and choosing like a mixer six pack, you know, like a, like a brewery yeah. or something like that, where it's being able yeah. to find these role models and yeah. take what serves you, take what you want to embody within yourself, but don't try to become a watered down version of somebody else. It's like that Da Vinci effect that, you know, Godsey and, and Aubrey talk about a lot when you take the sum total of everything that you are great at and love, you become the very best in the world at that unique combination. Mm. Become that focus on becoming that and people will draw themselves into you. Like Seth Godin talks about, you know, do you want a thousand true community members? Or do you want an email list that goes out to 100,000? And most people are like, oh, Jesus, just smashing. No, boom.
1: that's such a good point, man. I've been really dancing with that as well lately. Like, you know, what really matters, you know? It's it's just the vanity gets in the, in the way of a lot of that shit. And we're living in a weird time with social media, man. <laughs> like, yeah. with appearance and followers and just so much nonsense that really doesn't matter and yeah anyways before going down that rabbit hole like (laughs) i uh i really i like that because you know what parts of the ego that we identify with with that character that we need you know we have the goggins in our in our ego you know we have the the spiritual the soft like there are different times and places for those places and I, i i'm with you it's like that overly masculine Fucking go, 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 go There's a time and place for that in business and in life, but there's also a time and place where you need a balance, you need the softness, and that's what I've been working on a lot more in my life, and especially with our community, is really exploring the feminine side, you know the the the, yeah. the arts, the yogas, and all that kind of stuff because it's important at being more of a well rounded human and especially in relationships you want to have that different that different level and be able to tap into those different parts, right?
0: Yeah. Like a sword that doesn't bend breaks,
1: mm. oh, you know, that
0: is bringing, that's bringing that great It's <laughs> that feminine aspect to something as masculine as a sword. We're a warrior wielding a sword, but when we're inflexible, you know, it's 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 single-minded. And I think yeah. it comes back to that piece of becoming any one thing, becoming only masculine, only feminine, only Goggins, or only Anahata, for instance. Yeah. Everybody, whoever that serves, absolutely be that. But each individual, it's like our responsibility is to become our highest expression. And our highest expression is usually an amalgamation of these different personified traits that we pick up along the way. We see something, experience something, we're like, ooh, that looks good. That feels good. And that's even how I ended up in Fit for Service, you know, with, with Aubrey. I'm like, my favorite Joe Rogan podcasts were with Aubrey and Duncan. Yeah. And then I quit my job right, so it was about four years ago, I left my job. I started backpacking through Latin America. So who did I have in my ears? Like, where was my awareness being placed? It was with Aubrey and Duncan Trussell. The two. So through that, I was attuning to them on a regular basis. So it's almost like I'm Jordan. I'm attuning to Aubrey. I slip back into Jordan. But before I go back to my existing baseline, I attune back to Aubrey. So then it becomes this where I don't go as far back until I begin to have my own baseline operating around that vibe of, of Aubrey and Duncan, because there's so much of Aubrey in particular that I've resonated with. And I didn't I know until I experienced him. Once I experienced that, that truth in my own body, I'm like, man, this is, this feels like who I really am. This feels like who I really am and who I really want to be. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's, I, I, I love that because I'm the same man. And I've talked about it a lot is that he's really helped me understand, you know, you're either operating out of fear or love. Right. And he's really helped me with understanding love, unconditional love. He's talked about it in the darkness retreats and that kind of stuff. And it just made sense, you know, like, and he comes from a place of that. And if you can base your decisions, is this coming from love or fear? Man, it makes things a lot, a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Right. Because so many decisions we made we make are satisfying some weird fear or some trauma or something mm-hmm. and it's like whoa wait a minute like that's not that's not coming from a place of love like i'm that yeah. scared little boy or scared little girl you know if, if, for the women listening it's like and if you take that if you have the moment to step back and observe that that's super powerful Right. And that has been a huge thing within the last while. And even tapping into Aubrey and Duncan and all these guys and girls like, you know, Caitlin, like just having the realization of that is, is, has been super helpful for me too. Mm -hmm. I've
0: been playing this game a lot. Who said that like in our minds? Yeah. So when a (laughs) boy shows up, like who said that? And even with some people going to the degree of like, getting a whiteboard and personifying the names and Godzi talks a lot about this, naming our parts. Uh, and I've been playing with this with the voices. So it's like giving them a name and put a check mark next to them as they show up. So this one woman that I've been coaching, you know, she's got a lot of voices in her heads that are the shoulds, you know, you should be working at any given time. You shouldn't be taking time off from work of this job that's sucked your soul and you hate completely and you talk about it on a regular basis. You know, whose voice is that? It's not you. You picked it up along the way. Mm -hmm. Is this dad showing up in your mind with your voice? Is this society? Is it some sort of combination of, so getting really clear, like who said that, who's in the throne. And from that place, we get to decide if we want to speak if we want to act because it's kind of like a virus. So I'm playing with this so much too. You know, the, um, what's that mushroom, the cordyceps mushroom that takes over an ant, mm-hmm. forces it to kill itself.
1: I didn't know, well, what? what?
0: Oh dude, so, all right, cordyceps <laughs> mushrooms. These are, uh, there are a bunch of mushrooms in like different supplements that I take. Oh cordyceps, yeah, I take them, I take them. Em. Yeah, so cordyceps, they're savages. So cordyceps spores, will so ants will rub up on plants with cordyceps spores the spores of the mushroom will infest the ants brain and the ant will start going crazy moving its head around and doing weird stuff with its body it'll climb to something really high and jump off lead to its death or it will just spontaneously slowly die and then the cordyceps burst from the corpse what? And it's using its corpse's nutrients. So what's happening is the cordyceps is infesting the ant and utilizing the ant as its host. It's hijacking the ant, the physical form. So what's really going on is that ant is no longer an ant. It is the cordyceps mushrooms with the disguise of being an ant. Cause it's still in an ant's body. And this is so much of how I personify fear and shame. Fear and shame are these energetic entities that exist in the spectrum of human operation. And every now and then they will infest us like a cordyceps mushroom infests an ant. And we become the host. We become the form live streaming fear. As we speak and act, we create in fear. And those become entities that live outside of us. Like once we fire that text message, That lives on even as our state changes and moves away from fear. Mm. So that's where we become really aware and cautious. Who's in the throne right now? Is it fear? Am I saying this thing out of fear? If so, it will live on in the vibration of fear, even after I'm no longer succumbing to fear, live streaming fear. So that's where it comes like power responsibility with one state when we can assess, here's where I am, I do not want to create and perpetuate this state. Mm -hmm. So don't, be courageous, sit in the fire. Once it passes, because everything passes, this too shall pass, then reemerge from the cave and be like, all right, now it's time to act. Now it's time to play.
1: Hmm. Dude, that was powerful, man. I, um, I may have actually, was that in that documentary? Um fantastic fungi. I haven't seen it yet. Oh dude. Oh I thought I might have missed that part, but you gotta see that, man. Mm -hmm. Like that gave me a whole different perspective on on mushrooms and the whole ecosystem (laughs) and everything. It's crazy, dude. Like I it just blew my mind. And it makes sense now that what you're saying, it's like it totally makes sense. Let's let's circle back, bro, because I really want to get into what we were talking about earlier. You had you told me you had this. want to tie it into talking about your backstory i want us to hear i want you to kind of get into what it was like for you growing up and walk us through the kind of what you're talking about you had this this thing come to you i think you said is in your bath
0: yeah this morning
1: about growing up in michigan and let's let you let's let you walk you walk us through it because i thought it was really interesting and it goes perfectly with kind of illustrating your story
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so I am from Michigan. My dad is from Lebanon. So I'm half Lebanese, half Middle Eastern. My mom is white, German, this and that. When I was born, my mom had just turned 21. My dad just turned 42. So just kind of lend a little clarity to that, You know, he was chasing younger women. He was an anxious attacher, manipulator in a lot of ways. He meant well, but he was the oldest of nine from old school Lebanon. So he grew up as the prince. Mm. The prince gets his way. The prince is soon to become the king So I grew up in that kingdom where there was a monarch and what he said goes in a lot of ways So I have six siblings. They're all half siblings. And this is a funny one. This is hard to do without visuals My dad's got four kids. My mom's got four kids. I'm the only one between the two of them so I have this idea that If everything is a story, what's my story? Like, why was I born into this body, into this physical form? So I'm the baby on one side, and I'm one of the oldest on my mom's side. So I'm both. I both have the experience of being the baby sibling and the older sibling that needs to kind of take care of the younger ones. I was 12 and 14 when my younger brother and sister were born. I'm white until I'm not. Until some shit like 9-11 goes down. And now all of a sudden, there's this heightened awareness on terrorism, Middle Eastern, Taliban, terrorists, all this stuff. And that's when it comes full forward that like, oh, shit, I'm not just white. I actually am biracial. So I've had the experience of both of the privilege of being a white man, but also being an Arab man. And called some nasty names that I probably don't need to say on the podcast, but really nasty stuff. And it's, it's been a beautiful experience to have a taste of what it is like to be on the other side of the table. I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I don't look like a woman. I don't get treated as a woman. So that's a barrier. I cannot simulate the experience of being a woman because I have not been treated, projected onto as a woman. But there are so many ways that I've been, to, I've been able to experience like prejudice and racism. So that's been a cool opportunity. It sucks at the time, but then on the other side, it's like, well, damn, I got to experience something different, got to experience something new. So that puts me in a very peculiar position where I know what it's like to be on top, to be a straight white man, get the benefit of the doubt, and everybody treats you well, and also people looking at you funny. I know what that feels like too, because I flirted with that at different windows of time throughout my life. Is that kind of where, yeah, where you're hoping to go? Yeah.
1: Into? I mean, cause it all kind of, it was triggered kind of by what happened with that gentleman in Minneapolis, right? Like mm-hmm. we're talking about, it's getting a lot of attention right now and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fucking sad, man. And it's crazy to think like there were still there where that's like that, that still happens. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's, it, it's, yeah, man. And it's really, it's really sad to see that people are treated that way. And I mean, I never have gone through that and I don't know what that would be like. So I just, I just, my heart goes out to anybody that's had to deal with that, man, because nobody's, everyone's just doing their best, you know, and to treat somebody like that because of their color, it's, it's just fucked up in so many ways, man. Like,
0: Yeah. And, and for me, it comes back to how we even started this conversation where it's, it's naming what already is. So when we act like, well, you know, everybody of every color and gender and background has an equal opportunity. So like we're hiding behind that, hoping that the truth isn't revealed. But the reality is when we see somebody, our baseline primal animalistic instincts Rush to conclusions because the brain is a super efficient, like powerful computer. So when I see, I don't consciously choose to be prejudiced in any way. But if I were to say that seeing somebody who is obese versus somebody who is very fit, different skin tones, different genders, different sexes, that my subconscious brain doesn't instantaneously rush to some sort of unfounded conclusions, I'm lying to myself. Totally. You know, and that's a big Mm -hmm. discernment for me, where I can say I'm not racist, because I don't choose, I choose to treat everybody equally. Yeah. And sometimes I love and... Frankly, I love people who have gone through resistance in their lives because I feel like I connect with them. Totally. There's a depth to people who have been through some shit. Yeah. But for me to say that I see a large black man and it stirs up the same exact feelings as a petite white girl, five-year-old white girl, no, that's, that is not how the human brain works. So when we can courageously be like, look, My subconscious jumps to conclusions, but I don't intentionally choose to treat anybody or receive them differently. That's a platform that we can move forward from. But I feel like so many people are afraid to be labeled with a certain thing. So they're like, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. And it's like, the fact that you said that is indicating otherwise. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that happens with so many things too. Not just that. And those aren't even our thoughts; they're just reality. You know, people get all kinds of crazy thoughts. You know, suicidal thoughts. And Mm -hmm. I've talked to people that are opening up about some of the thoughts that they've had, and I'm like, you know what? You're no different. Everybody's had those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Everybody has. Everybody thinks of weird shit. Things pop into your mind. It's okay, and like you can't control that. But like you said, it's how you how you take that and how what you do with it what those thoughts and mm-hmm. those are completely different. Those are completely different things, right? Like how you process that and how you react and how you communicate what the thoughts are is a lot different than reacting to some, if you reacted to every single thought and talked about it and brought it out to the forefront, it would be very, very ugly. We'd be in a very ugly world because mm-hmm. everybody would look like they're fucked. Everybody yeah. would look like they're racist. Everyone would look like they've like, <laughs> and like Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. You become the live stream of whoever's in the throne at that given moment. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And fear is flowing through all of us humans at any given time. You know, yeah. we're all feeling some side of fear and shame. Shame is a big, a big vibe, a big virus personified that takes over that I've been playing with so much lately. That's the thing. When we're unaware, we create from these states and these states mm-hmm. aren't us. They've lived before you and I were born, and they're gonna live long after we die. Fear is a human predicament, and it's like fear is outside the scope of human, because plants feel it, animals feel it, we all feel it. So it's like fear is separate from us, but like that cordyceps mushroom, it gets inside of us and starts live streaming through us, because it doesn't have its own physical form, so it needs a host. Mm. So when we bring awareness to these things of, you know, for me, thinking of it like smoke. I was doing this with a friend recently and she's like, stop, 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 because it tripped her out. Like this dark smoke just starts to fill in the room and it just starts to creep up against your body. And then it starts to kind of compress you and constrict you. And she's like, stop, 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 exactly. Thinking of fear like that. Dude, I've been looking at investments. I don't even have a lot of money invested in markets but i've been looking at them obsessively and then i woke up oh, markets down and i feel how my body responds to fear live streaming me and then it's just like hold on this shit doesn't matter like this is not worth it mm-hmm. so it's that awareness game who's in the throne who said that do i really want to act do i really, really want to create from this space right now or is it like no this is temporary This is temporary. This is the game. Sit in the fire. Everything's good. Everything's good. Then it passes sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly and painfully, but it does pass. And that's the courage to sit in that fire.
1: Yeah. And it's so easy to go down these rabbit holes and really get lost and your energy gets lost in there too. And it's good to be aware of these things going on. But at the same time, like you don't want to spend too much time on them because then you become that thing and you start, like you just said, you just just thinking about it and you start attracting more people talking about it. And before you know it, like, what? I didn't mean to really get into Mm -hmm. this that much. Like you can do that with conspiracies, Mm -hmm. you know, you start hearing one and then you start believing it because everybody's talking about it. And yeah, man, it's, it's, but then you got to ask yourself, like, you know, is this worth my energy right now? Like, is this do I really want to invest my time and energy into this? Because most times it's, we don't, but we're just to take a step back and understand that it's not going to serve us. So we need to be able to pull back from that.
0: Right. That's the idea of, you know, I have a very sensitive trigger with these new age buzzwords like awakening. I am awakened. Well, motherfucker, you're going to fall back asleep. And then you're going to wake up and fall asleep and wake up in the same way that our bodies do. Like that's, that's the process. So the idea of like becoming awake when we're in a fear dream, when fear's live streaming us and it's like, this is a dream. This is fear. Fear has got me, you know, and it becomes this game, a game of noticing. That's something I talk about a lot. Life is the game of noticing. It's noticing what is already and honoring that. That shit is truth. And truth is love. And when we prevent other people, when we don't speak the truth, it's in fear of what is the fallout going to be. I can't tell them that because da da da. So not only are we withholding the truth, and if truth is love, we're withholding love out of fear. We're also disempowering someone by not allowing them to have their own reaction, their own response to something. So I'm not gonna say this because of how I project and simulate you will react based on my limited data set and my bias, you know? So I think the best way, and it's not even a thing, I truly believe deep down that the most ideal way to operate is from a place of radical truth with taste, like a tastefulness. Mm. The idea of like, you look like shit, hon. (laughs) <laughs> like, okay, that could be your truth, but like that's not tasteful at all, you know, but to lie to someone is disempowering somebody, yeah
1: yeah, I agree, yeah, you got to have a bit of a filter you could there's ways to tell people things in an empowering way that may not be ideal, but it's how you deliver it right <clears throat> yeah there's 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 so many ways to get the same message out in a way that's empowering people rather than make people feel like shit. Right.
0: Language language is so crazy. I feel like we just use these punk ass words. Like it's good. It's fine. It's like you have the whole vocabulary, hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of words. And you chose fine. Yeah. All right. That's fine. You know, "Mm, this is good. Like go deeper, go deeper. You know, the idea of spelling, words are spells, words are magic spells. And I play with this with people so often where like we have a good vibe going and then I'll use some words. I'll say some sentence that completely throws the vibe off. See, all I did was speak a few words and I shifted the energy. That's magic. Like that is real life magic without the woo. Mm. You know, if we start talking, I mean, instantly when you started talking about the situation in Minnesota, where a black man was killed by police officers, and it's on video, instantly my energy shifted, I became a lot more serious and a lot more grounded and a lot more still from the profundity of that, because my energy shifted into that state, you right. know, so things are shifting regularly. And I think this is the beauty of language. And this is why I'm so excited to like really write on a regular basis not this like i write once in a while like no i'm a motherfucking writer yeah wielding a book of magic spells to tell a story to attune people to a different state mm. you know language is powerful that's why i was even saying earlier about like a sword where i personally think language is my tool belt and i can call up different adjectives call up different verbs but a broad tool belt not just a sledgehammer like ah that shit's <laughs> fine yeah, it's okay. You know, it's like, yeah, okay. You know? Yeah.
1: Well, here's, here, this is, this is coming to me is that let's just say, cause the word fear gets thrown out of a lot too. Like if you had to explain what the word fear was to somebody that came to this planet that has never, never experienced it, but was like, they keep hearing this word fear. What is fear, bro? Like if you had to explain Damn. it to somebody that doesn't know, because even thinking about it to myself, I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is it? Because it's it's a word that we all use so often. And what does it actually mean?
0: Fuck, dude. That's a great question. Like Instantly, my energy shifted and pulled in, yeah. racking my brain for words. I can come up with a lot of examples, right? But redefining what fear is. I think a piece of what fear is, is it's temporariness. Mm. I think that's an aspect of it. It's, this is so good. It won't last forever. Or I am alive and I will die. You know, there's a loud noise, (gasps) Mm. fear gets triggered. And that's tying to like loud noise. Something is now aware to me that wasn't before. And this awareness is potential threat. And the threat is to my life and to my existence, which means that I may no longer exist. So that's what fear is, the gateway to preserving the temporariness that is my existence.
1: Some sort of like, while you're saying that, I was thinking, I'm like, what is So yeah, like some sort of emotional trigger To something that you put a definition on that could potentially kill you, right? Like, or, you know, because why do some people fear certain things? It's got to be tied to some sort of emotional, it's Uh like trauma, right? Uh It's got to be tied to something that made you feel really scared or like, Mm -hmm. because, why would we be afraid of certain things and not of others? They have to be emotionally connected to something, Mm -hmm. some sort of response. And what's coming to me is maybe trauma there. Maybe fear is all based on our traumas of some sort Mm -hmm. that has kind of, that is kind of like um, manifested itself into our reality. I mean, I don't know. I'm just talking shit, but I'm, I'm trying to like, I love the riff though That spit out. Like, what is it that we're actually like, we say, yeah, fear, go through, lean into the fear. I say it all the time. I'm like, okay, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Like, it's a discomfort. It's a discomfort of something that we maybe don't have control of. Fear is maybe something that we, it's the unknown. But then the thing about fear is that there's always a reward on the other side of it. So, mm-hmm. what is that? Why are we so fucking scared of something, yet we know there's something on the other side? And we know that we probably won't die from it but we're still worried about doing it because of the emotional attachment to something in the past. Like, it's like, it blows my mind.
0: Yeah, my brain is like spinning out in six different lanes. (laughs) Here's the first thing that comes up for me is a monk sitting on the side of a mountain in the Himalayas who has made such peace with the idea of, of fear and his mortality. And he's not afraid of death. So if death is the ultimate manifestation of triggering fear, and he no longer fears death, he doesn't experience fear around death. So now fear subjective then. I can see a spider and be like, <gasps> fear, and somebody else would be like, ooh, I love spiders. It's yeah. the same thing. Different reactions, different responses to the same mm. stimuli. And I loved your riff because what it set off for me is the idea of triggers. Triggers are the gateway. Triggers are, so think of it like you got a bunch of dead bodies in the back of your house and they're stinking up the joint. You can either act like they aren't there or you can be like, this shit's, get them out. Let's get them out. Triggers are a rumbling, an activation, shedding light on there's a dead body under here. There's something dormant that is no longer dormant flip from a zero to a one, and now it's activated. Most people will be like, get away, get away, get away, get away. And now there's heightened fear. It's amplified because now you're freshly aware that that thing exists. So now it's at like 120% of what it just was. When there's this other piece of it, like, well, you know, while the yard's dug up, let's get rid of this shit. And that's a lot of the trigger work that I do is – The trigger is the activation of a macro of this predefined set of code. So a trigger is a gift of illuminating what has already been below the surface of the conscious mind. As it rises past the threshold into the conscious mind, we have the opportunity to do something with it now. Mm. So that's the beauty of a trigger is we see what has been and we get to give it a new ending. Yeah,
1: man. Got goosebumps from that. <laughs> it's fucking, uh, uh, this shit just fascinates me. Like it's.
0: The psyche's a trip.
1: Dude, like why would somebody be afraid of spiders and one wouldn't be, right? And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, well, it probably, you know, it could be tied to a movie they saw when they were a kid or like, mm-hmm you know, how important is it when these, now I'm learning like all, does all of this shit go back to from zero to 10 or all of our fears based on that timeline of, of like the trauma or is it past lives? Like this, is mm. like why do certain you, like, cause there's people that have great upbringings, never had a lot of shit, but they'll still be scared of stuff. And I guess this is a whole conversation, but it's really, it's just all of a sudden I had this realization that I had to like, talk to you about bro because fear is just one of these things that it's just so different and it affects people in so many ways and now that we're you know in fit for service deal talking about trauma and dealing with this stuff and trying to get to the you know like with expressive writing and and like really bringing it to the surface and a lot of the shit for me personally that is that that creates this response or trigger has to do with the trauma Mm -hmm. and Some Mm -hmm. of the trauma that we may be experiencing, which is triggering fear, maybe we don't even know about it yet. Like Mm -hmm. maybe it is from past lives if you believe Mm -hmm. in that stuff. Some people think it's crazy. But like, that's where I like, I want to get, I like to find out like, what is the reason for this trigger? Like, what is the, why, you know?
0: It just had me thinking of, just say you're at a, you're at a museum and you see a, um, what do you call it, uh, taxidermy. You see like a taxidermist animal that went extinct 3,000 years ago, but a past live version of you was scared by that thing. So you see that thing and you get freaked out, but that thing doesn't exist anymore. Oh, that's a trip. Like that story just came up to me and felt, felt fun. Um, <laughs> the, all, I mean, all the things you just threw out, they're all, they're all potential tributaries Feeding into the river of fear could be past lives. It could be child stuff. It could be teenage stuff. The first time you get shut down or like you fart in class or, you know, a little thing that freaks you out and it sticks with you, you know, fear, it can come from so many places and it seems to come back to self-preservation. Preserving my reputation. I'm now the kid who farted in class or called the third grade teacher mom. You know, mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, who I know myself to be is no longer. Mm. That's an ego death. Yeah. But when we stop clinging to anything, like this meal's great and it's not going to. I'm not going to be eating it in 20 minutes, you know, like my reputation is changing the way that people knew me as a child, as a teenager, as a college student, as a young man, now as a grown ass man, it's transforming regularly. So when we can willfully begin to die to ourselves, to become something new and something greater, It's like upgrading operating systems. Like, are we sitting there mourning like Mac OS 10.4 as we shift into 10.5? Most of us are like, no, get that shit out of there. I can scrub out the bugs that were in the previous version. That's why we're overriding that operating system with this new one. But as human beings, we are built chemically and biologically to want to maintain that 10.4. It's what I know. It's what I know, and it's identifying as the 10.4. So if I am 10.4 and 10.4 is overwritten for 10.5, I cease to exist, which is death, which means fear, fear, fear. It's like, no, you're the user of the computer. You get to use 10.5 because you aren't either one of them. You get to use them. Mm.
1: Man, (laughs) are you okay for for time? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Cause I, I, I still want to go deep on a couple things here. Yeah. Um, yeah all right. I'm going to, I'm going to push into a, a deeper, a deeper spot here. Walk us through. Cause we both lost our dads in the last little while. I lost mine in 2017. You lost yours in 2018. Walk us through how that's affected you. And, and you know, what have, what, what have you learned through the process of, death and losing a father
0: yeah yeah this is something we haven't opened up even on a on a personal level something that i it was revealed to me i think a few weeks ago and i was like oh shit um it changes everything it changes it's changed who i know myself to be and what my role is my greater purpose is in the world Uh, completely transformed it. Do you want more of the lessons learned or do you want the story of what that was like?
1: Whatever you feel called to sharing, bro. If you don't want to go too deep with it, you don't have to, you know, but I know that sometimes these things, you know, the more we talk about it, Mm -hmm. the more the healing starts. So it's, it's really come from a place of
0: Whatever you yeah, something, something I say a lot is our greatest pain is meant to be transformed into our greatest medicine. And that is the alchemy. Mm-hmm. So for me, if I go through the experience of burying my father, and I don't talk about it, I don't talk about the lessons, I don't talk about the feelings. It's like I have this vaccine that it's like, well, like, let's let people keep getting AIDS, even though we can prevent AIDS. Hypothetically, you know, so for me, it's like I was supposed to go through this experience for a number of reasons. And that's the alchemy taking the raw ingredients of the experience and turning it into the dish that I choose. So for me, I'll give you the short context of it. My dad, about 20 years older than my mom, and he has, he's had physical emotional spiritual anguish for for years and he he'd wanted to go for a really long time and the only reason he didn't kill himself is because of what it would mean for us like his boys and his grandkids like your dad killed yourself and he wanted to save us from that so he stuck it out it was a surprise in the micro like when I got this call of like dads in hospice, you know, I was at a music festival and my favorite music festival in Darrington, Washington. It's this, it's this little one called summer meltdown. I absolutely love it. And I had this amazing Thursday where I'm by myself. I met some people, I'm just goofing around and I go to sleep and I'm just so jazzed for the rest of the weekend. I wake up to a flood of messages and really I had my phone on airplane mode. And I just had this weird feeling. And I'm like, I got I to gotta turn off airplane mode. Flood of messages. 911, call your brother, call my brother. Dad's in hospice. What? Dad's in hospice? Like, dad, dad was just home. I just talked to him a few days ago. Dad's in hospice. And apparently, he's not expected to make it through the night.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm in Washington State, and he's in Florida. <laughs> like, as uh, far away as possible.
1: Complete opposite.
0: So, so instantly, you know, talk about, talk about a chemical flood and this is what, what's cool. Even like a, like the narrator of my own story, like the state that our bodies move into reactively, like we are these incredibly complex machines, both body and mind. And as soon as I got that information download that dad's about to die. And he might not be there by the time I get there. I moved into a whole different mode where it was like, get shit done, get shit done. Everything was, was clear. So I packed all, all my stuff up. I left on my motorcycle, grabbed a small bag at my brother's place, booked a flight, was at, the, uh, was at the airport. Get to him on Saturday, he's still alive. And he's in this comatose place at this point where he's breathing and his heart's beating. And he can still feel us energetically and he can apparently still hear us according to modern science. He can still hear in that place, but he can't respond. So we end up having about two and a half days with me and two of my brothers. Uh, the final brother, he'd been in prison. He actually just got released, uh, last week, week and a half ago. So he was locked up through dad's death, missed all of that, got the news, after dad had died, when somebody could finally fill him in on what had happened. So that guy missed, missed it all. Being in that room with my dad as he was transitioning, with my brothers who don't have the same life experience as me. You know, They have different takes on what death means. What's really gnarly is six months prior, I had a full breakthrough experience on DMT where I had the full on death experience and all the terror that came with it. Like, Oh my God, what have I done? I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm gone. And I had so much fear in that place. And then coming out of that, I carried a lot of that, which I would consider PTSD, like straight up the smell of DMT would trigger fear within me. That to me seems like the textbook definition of PTSD. The beautiful opportunity that I was afforded was knowing how the death experience felt through conscious awareness and the fear that came up with it. But also the beauty I knew that was on the other side. Once I let go and knew that something else awaited. So I was able to not be crying boy next to my dad as he was finishing his transition out of this life. Instead of like, dad, I'm going to miss you so much. It's like that you're still here. You know, I got some stories for you and, uh, you're going to be out of this misery soon. But for now, like you got my ear and you can't walk away. You can't hang up the phone. So it was a beautiful experience for me to play the role of loving father in the way that I see fit, which is you're doing great. You're doing so great. Like you're almost there. You're not there yet. So enjoy the rest of this, because this won't last too much longer. And, you know, being that energy for him. And then afterwards, you know, there was no will. So, you know, assets in Lebanon, it's two years later, I still haven't seen anything. And that's a whole separate story about how I've I'm out, you know, $20,000, $30,000 that I've put on credit cards, like cash advances to cover bills, to save his assets. And we still haven't seen a dime. And now the Lebanese banking system has collapsed. Apparently their currency is going away. They're going to replace it with something new. That's separate from the emotional, spiritual experience of, of my dad dying. But ultimately witnessing who I could be in that moment where I was just grounded, unadulterated, light, and love. You could have punched me in the face, and I would have been like, why are you so upset that you're punching right now? Like, I was that. So the opportunity of being a true material form, emanation, live stream of God love, Afterwards, I can't unexperience that. I have been that. That is within the scope of possibility for my being. So if I tap into the alchemist, it's how can I turn this into my greatest favor? Well, I can whine and bitch about my dad never meeting my wife, never meeting my kids, his grandkids, not seeing me do this and that. And the other thing is In order for me to become who I am truly meant to become, I had to go through this. Like I had to go through it in this way. So to know what that feels like, to go through an experience and the wisdom that comes with that. Most people wait until they're 50 or 60 for me to go through at 28. And I want to even hear a bit from you, whether it's right now or later. Like that's a fucking gift. I get to experience death this young. Viscerally, and all the lessons that come with it, and all the clarity about what matters and what doesn't. My stocks look low this morning. Who the fuck cares? You know, you get that clarity about what matters, and other people experiencing death, and it's just like you're not alone. I've been there. You know, it's different, yet not so much different. So that's clearly become a part of my path, a part of my story of who I am to become. And who I've already become, but who I continue to evolve into is a function of medicine for fear and fear of death, fear of not belonging, fear of my reputation, dying, things like this. So when you look at the totality of our lives as a story and the experience that we accumulate throughout the way, so what are we going to do with this? What do we choose to do with these ingredients? And that's willpower. That's free will. And that's up to us.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, death is never, it's never easy, but it is a good teacher. And, you know, we're all going to have to go through it. And you're right. I mean, going through that and learning lessons that you have to learn at your age, you know, is a blessing because it's either now or later. And there's obviously a purpose. You know, you have a purpose of what you're supposed to do. And it's, I always wonder, you know, like, what was the reason? Like, you know, I lost my dad too. And it's like, well, why was that? Why did that happen? But at the same time, it had to happen. I had to go through that. I had to go through a lot of shit. And, and you know, like you said, you could either be a victim about it and go down the the whole of self pity which lots of people do or you can kind of use it as fuel and you know blaze the trail that you want to create and 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 you know have an empowerment and use that to help other people and that's kind of what i did to even start the podcast right like that was kind of where it all started you know so it's really interesting and in how we deal with these how we deal with death you know because sometimes we think before we go through it, it it's, you hear other people go through these, these things and you think, well, that'll never happen to me. That's, that's in the movies or that's something else. And then when it happens to you, you're like, oh, whoa, this is what that feels like. This is a shocking thing because I was the same, bro. I had like 48 hours to come from Sydney to back to Vancouver, which was a straight 17-hour flight. I didn't. We found out my dad had cancer. I had no time. I had five hours with him and then he was gone. Same sort of thing. I watched him literally just die, you know. And it it's fucking. It was really crazy. But at the same time, like I had when you were telling me the story, I had a lot of things come up that I had this empowering feeling that I need to step up. You know, I had this like, whoa, okay, I can't, I can't just fucking lay down here. I have to like use this and whatever that turns into. But yeah, I mean, thank you for sharing that, brother. Because I mean that's medicine for people, and every time you tell it, you get. I just find the more I talk about it, the more I tell it, the better I. Not only do I heal, I just a different layer of healing happens, but then gives other people the permission to be able to speak about it as well. Because a lot of people, it's very hard to talk about their family's passings, man. It's a very hard situation. It's a very it's a taboo subject that people don't like to go to, and I think being able to go there and talk about it in a safe container is important, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, there's so many layers of ourselves and the layer that we expose is sort of the degree that we can connect with somebody else.
1: Mm, yeah. So,
0: so someone who only reveals the top you know, call it nine layers. They only show you one and two. You can only connect at one and two.
1: Dude. That's so true. Fuck. That's so true. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to feel like, fuck,
0: I totally, that's
1: so true. I can't connect with people that aren't fucking true to me, aren't true, aren't honest about themselves, about their truth. Mm -hmm. Like how can, especially in business too nowadays, like I don't gravitate towards people that aren't, that are just surface level. It's Mm -hmm. not their fault. It's okay where you're at, but like, holy shit, man, if I'm going to open up my shit and share it, then you know I I almost seek, seek the same now in others because mm-hmm. there's a level of truth and we've all gone through different shit and if you are at the point where you're able to share it I really respect that I'm not going to be upset with somebody that doesn't but it's you're right there's different layers that you can connect with people and the more that they share on on par with you the easy, the more you can connect right
0: yeah 100% the thing is the superficial layers are codified like how many times, I was just listening to uh, Tony Robbins' podcast with a bunch of just these dope doctors and Tony introduced one of the guys and he's like, I'm good, Tony. How are you? And then continued talking. And I was like, that was codified. You know, that was preset code that we've all inherited and that that's pleasantry. So his energy was honoring Tony, but he asked a question that he wasn't looking for an answer to. So it's like, that's the superficial operation uh. is automated. And the automated operation we all have in common to some degree. So I'm not learning who Lance is when you only show me a layer one or two, you become Lance, the deeper you go. I want to know Lance. I don't give a fuck about trading energy and Mm. essentially social masturbating, the same things that everybody else is talking about. I have finite energy. And if I really love myself and respect myself and I set up those boundaries, it's this is not worth the energetic investment for me. So with love for myself, I'm going to exit this conversation or not dive in in the first place. Uh, And it's truth and taste because it could be like this is stupid. I'm better than this. You know, that's not, that's not love. That's not honoring somebody where they're at. It's judge. It's judgmental. So instead it's like, Hmm, this is where you seem to be able and willing to go right now. And for this to be a worthwhile investment of my time and energy, I need this. So out of love and respect for me, which is for everybody, because if I'm loving myself, I am love. I am being love. I'm vibrating love. I'm attuning everybody and everything around me to love. So it's not just out of love for me and respect for me. It's out of love and respect for the potentiality of who I can be in the role that I can play in the world that respectfully, I'm not going to engage in this conversation because it's not a worthwhile investment of my energy. Mm. Big difference. That's the words. Yeah. You know, I'm too good for you versus like, this doesn't serve me in this moment. Mm.
1: Oh man. Some interesting (laughs) mistress, interesting areas. I, there's, I also, I want to make sure that we cover this, the next, the next segue is uh, the human design. So, oh, man. I know, I know.
0: <laughs> it's like a funny one. Let's squeeze this in after our dead dads.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Or maybe we could do it on a different, different call. I mean, I mean, that's the whole thing. I just maybe, I, 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 this is something that, well, we can go as deep as you want to go. We don't need to go. We can have another mm-hmm. call about it. But maybe just walk us through, you know, what it is you do mm-hmm. with it. And maybe to pique the curiosity of how people can learn more about what you do mm-hmm. and kind of explore this. We don't need to go in like the full depths unless you want to, but.
0: I don't you. want to. I did a presentation last night, one more tonight, but I'll get, I'll get behind what I really want to talk about. Not yeah. the system itself, but yeah. why it matters so much to me. Mm. So I have this idea that life Everything is like a river. Everything's in motion. Everything's moving. The more we understand the river, the more we understand the wind, the more we can harness it for our benefit. So I am on a quest to understand my psyche, to understand my unique blueprint, both my physical body, my emotional makeup, my life experiences. I just want, I want to understand me. The more I understand me is the more I understand the wind and the river. And now I can utilize those to my greatest benefit. When You don't know which way the river's flowing. You're splashing upstream. You're going sideways and everything feels super resistant and challenging. But when you realize like, oh, the river's going this way. Let me turn my shoulders. Let me kick my legs up. Now I'm floating downstream, cruising, enjoyable and no resistance at all. So that's part of what I am trying to figure out is I want to understand not just myself, but I want to understand the human psyche, why we do what we do, how we have become this way. And human design is, it's a mix of astrology, I Ching, 5,000 year old Chinese divination tool, uh, the Hindu chakra system, the energetic centers of our body and uh, the Jewish Kabbalah energy channels. So this system is saying, all right, these are, this is how all of these different ancient wisdoms are telling the same exact story. So you start with astrology, you overlay I Ching in the 64 gates and energetic activations, and these tie to gene keys, which tie to specific amino acids that modern science, biology, has actually been able to measure. How an amino acid is tied to A personified characteristic, really. And I am meant to be a bridge. And this is even coming full circle to how I started. You know, I'm white until I'm not, until it's evident that I'm Middle Eastern. So it's like, oh shit. So I'm not one island or the other. I'm both islands and the bridge that connects them. East and West. You know, I have an engineering degree from the University of Michigan. And I have a very systematic brain. So when someone comes up to me with astrology and it's like, this doesn't make any sense. How is some celestial object or sector of the universe imprinting energetic information on me? How the hell is that influencing me? So a couple of years go by and there's one story in specific, this woman who's really deep into astrology is like, okay, I want to guess your guys signs. And this is when I'm still in my cynical scientific mind. I'm like, good fucking luck. You got a one in 12 shot race to the fifth power. There are five of us. Bing, 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 bing. Knocks out the first four nailed them. We had all just met. I'm like, Holy shit. She gets to me and she's like, Scorpio. I'm like, no Taurus. Okay. I'm a rising Scorpio. And that's a piece of how we present. That was the first opportunity where I'm like, statistically it's, Eight like eight point two five percent Power 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 like she shouldn't have gotten that but she did so I'm like maybe there is some validity to this So I'm on this quest. I call it demystifying hippie science So these are ancient Eastern wisdoms that have been around experientially for millennia These are people who have figured out how things work through firsthand experience And ideally can follow it up and explain it through the lens of Western science later. But East is from in, it's like inside out cure from inside out. Like you have some skin issue instead of rubbing lotion on it, rubbing a cream on it. That's West outside in. It's actually treating the source, the root cause of the skin issue. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to philosophy, East is about experiencing what already is. And then let's explain it later. Where West is like, it must be explained how it can be. Otherwise, it's bullshit. Mm. So I'm in this demystifying hippie science bridge between East and West where I don't give either one more weight, more power, more priority than the other. So it is a blend of being in a psychedelic experience and feeling what it's like to not just experience God or talk to God, but like to be God. And then the other side is understanding like what the hell is going on inside my brain that's simulating this experience. Like both are equally important to me. Mm. So human design in general is taking these ancient Eastern wisdoms and explaining how they're all telling the same story. And it doesn't just stop there. Then it goes into quantum mechanics. Okay. How is information being imprinted on us on earth? Why does the point in time that we were born matter so much it posits that it's neutrinos so you look at the foundational building blocks of the universe you have quarks and you have leptins quarks up up down quark creates a proton mass positive charge down down up is a neutron similar mass equivalent mass to a proton no charge leptins collapse into electrons and neutrinos so you now you have two and two Protons, neutrons, and electrons combine, form an atom, which is the foundation of the material universe as we know it. What do neutrinos do? Like, they have no electrical charge. They have one millionth of the mass of an electron. There are 65 billion neutrinos passing through our bodies at any given moment, passing through each square centimeter cross-section of our bodies, So trillions of neutrinos are passing through our physical bodies at any given second. Neutrinos carry, and this has been scientifically validated within the last 12 or 13 years, neutrinos carry information about their origin. So neutrinos that are generated in deep space, they're subatomic, so they rarely interact with matter. They don't bump into atoms very often. So they just kind of like sneak through in a straight line going just under the speed of light, because they have just a touch of mass. As they originate in the Torrin system, they inherently carry the energy and information and properties of that energetic system, which I have questions about why, how does that have it, later question to answer. It's carrying this information, moves into our solar system and passes through the sun, And like a car trying to squeeze its way through two pillars, it rubs some of its paint off on the pillar and the pillar rubs some of the gravel off onto the car. There's an exchange of information. They swap paint. So as neutrinos pass through the sun, they swap information with the sun. They drop off some torrent energy and they pick up some sun energy. Eight minutes later, boom, they cross through us here on earth. So at the moment of my birth, (gasps) I take my first breath. I leave, and separate from my mother I'm my own sovereign energetic being the cross section of the neutrinos that are passing through my body inherently carry all of these energies. And there are all these other ones where, you know, something that originated in Pisces and went through Mars are the neutrinos that are crossing through my body at that moment. So that is the energetic Polaroid taken at my point of birth, supposedly based on neutrinos are the passengers of the information. So now that I have this why, it gives me a little bit more validity instead of just like, okay, this system sounds dope and there's a lot of validity behind it. I still need to understand how it works. Like how does it work through the lens of Western science? And Neutrino seem to be the answer for human design. And from that point, it starts to talk about our energetic centers, which are really in line with the Hindu chakra system as we know it. We either have definitions, which are like we're power plants sending out signals, or we have open centers, which are receiving. So it's a duality, like everything in this universe, there's an up, there's a down, there's a zero, there's a one. A definition is producing from within and sending out signals. These are fixed, they're reliable, they're consistent within us. We look to these places for wisdom and guidance. Mm. There are other places within our bodies and everybody has a unique blueprint that are open centers. So you're not producing and sending out signals. You're receiving signals from without. So these are susceptible to conditioning. These are meant to be conditioned. These are how we sample the world and understand the world around us. We're meant to be students through these centers. So as we understand the system, our unique blueprint, we know where to look to within ourselves. that's telling us information about our experience versus what's telling us information about the environment. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a nerd. No, it's fucking, <laughs> I, um,
1: I highly encourage, how can people find you and, and learn more about this? Because this is, this is massive. Like, and yeah. I, I actually, I want to work with you too on this because I've heard a lot of people in the community working with you with this and I just haven't had a chance, but I'm definitely, definitely wanting to do this. So if somebody wants to come check out more of your work and find you, where can we check you out?
0: Yeah, um, well, I've definitely taken a hiatus from, you know, like what I was saying when quarantine started, I was giving so much energy away. Mm -hmm. I've been highly inactive on social media, but I think it's time for me to resurrect from the cave. Instagram's a good way to follow just a lot of what I talk about, what I'm thinking about, just at Jordan Rami, R-A-H-M-E. I got a website that I'm revamping, jordanrami.com. And I'm going to be building a course on human design where there are really two lanes. One of them is, let me coach you through your design. Let's talk about what makes you you, where to look to for guidance, where to look to, or rather where not to look to, where you're being conditioned. That's one way that I work with people. So if there's demand for that, I can resurrect that. The other piece that I've been working on is, how can I masterfully paraphrase this hyper-complex system so somebody can get however many hours I've sunk into it and they can get to that degree of competency largely in like five hours. Hmm. So doing one-on-one readings, um, also building this course for people who want to really master and understand the system itself. Um so yeah if there if there's demand i can definitely open up the the one-on-one sessions again but that's yeah. been one of the energetic boundaries of like doing three of those a day getting so into yeah. it i'm drained by the end of it so i'm so finding deep. a way to streamline how can i deliver the same value how can i be of service without draining so much of my own energy to the point where i can't actually do my work as effectively yeah no for sure
1: awesome man that's um i think I think a lot of people can get value from that and just just the way you explained what that is and I don't even think people know that that even exists. So I've just le- recently heard about human design a few times and now it's it's starting to come up a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I I'm getting curious about it too. So it's there's a lot of fascinating stuff that people can learn about themselves that maybe people think everything's just a coincidence, but there's actually more To it than
0: that. Mm -hmm. And my big thing is forecasting the barriers, like the resistance people are going to encounter. And I know my resistance is, you're telling me that the exact point in time that I was born is dictating this whole system. That's bullshit. How? So that is my quest to demystify the how. So people who are like, "Uh uh-uh, keeping that out are like, Okay, well, actually, this does fit into my understanding of how science and mathematics and the universe work. Therefore, I'm now more open and receptive to it. Mm-hmm. And that's really important for me because I've had that up. Like I said, I'm an engineer by trade. I see and experience the world through 4D space time deeply. But for me to not allow myself the wisdom and the guidance of these systems, like that's blasphemy. So I want to make it easier for people to allow themselves to be receptive to the wisdom that lies within this system in particular. Oh man, dope.
1: If you had to sum up all the challenges and adversities that you've gone through in your life, what would be the main lesson, takeaway to people, one lesson that adversity has taught you?
0: That your pain is meant to be your medicine we can experience darkness and feel like we're doing it alone and let it consume us that's one way the other way is to be like like guys i just went through some shit. this is what it felt like and for other people to be like oh my goodness i've been going through such similar things it creates community it alchemizes the antidote and the cure to these experiences, these dark experiences. So what I've learned is that the more challenging the experience that I've gone through, really like the heavier the shit, the bigger the opportunity to help serve others through what I learned through that experience. Because as much as we are unique, we aren't that special. Like, I'm the only one who's ever felt this way from a breakup. Be like, honey, mm, yeah. you know? And that's one of the biggest things. It's very humanizing. Like, if you've gone through it, countless other humans have gone through something wildly similar. So, if you're going to go through this bullshit, you're going to go through this pain and this sadness, do something with it. Like, serve with it. Mm. And there's no greater feeling than to take something like this hurt. This was horrible. This was hard. This was so challenging. But look what it was able to do for others. Look how this can serve forward, something that's bigger than us. And that's where the courageous, you know, the idea of a knight, I'll do it. Like Aubrey, I'll sit in the darkness. I'll sit with ayahuasca. I'll see what needs to be seen and I will bring back the gold that comes from it. I will do it. And that's a warrior. Mm. That's what I consider the light warrior. Let's peer into the darkness and let's come out and let's share what we've learned with everybody else. Fuck yeah, man.
1: (laughs) thank you so much dude for coming on this is awesome yeah so much so much to unpack there that was uh that was a big episode lots we 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 dove deep and um man thank you so much this uh just just all the things all the all the important topics that i get to cover on the show i know just a lot of people are thinking about and sometimes being addressed as long as we can help one person maybe think differently or get through something, it's all worth it. So
0: Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, Thanks for having me, man. This is super fun. I mean, I love, I love to talk. I love to share. Something I talk about a lot (laughs) is like this open book thing. Like I can't hide myself from other people that now has power to unravel me. So very much is like, ask me any question possible, because if I'm in truth, which is in love, then I won't hide from a thing. So thanks for putting me on the hot seat. This has been really fun to share and learn more about you.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, man. Thank you everybody, have an amazing day. Thanks everybody. If you haven't already hit that subscribe button, stay on top of the episodes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're coming out. All walks of life, different people sharing their stories and changing your perspective on adversity, everybody. I love you guys, I appreciate you. We'll catch you next time.